house of the Lord tonight. Why don't you step across the aisle and greet somebody and welcome them to the Anchor Church before we get into the word of the Lord this evening. We're going to turn to the word of the Lord. We're going to go to the book of Job, chapter 39, and then Deuteronomy, verse, Deuteronomy chapter 32. While you're turning there, we certainly give honor to Pastor Bounds, who's traveling this week with his family, with the Bible quizzers, and pray that they are uh, enjoying their time and giving him some rest. And just to echo what Brother Gio said, didn't we? Oh, we have some awesome services Brother Bobby Wade here and speaking in the prophetic and walking in the prophetic in our church. Amen. I'm thankful for what the Lord is doing. Amen. I count it an honor to be here to minister to you tonight. Amen. Every time we come to the house of the Lord, we want to be fed the word of God and not to be just a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word of God. Amen. I believe this church has had many prophetic things spoke over it. We've always heard it as a sending church. Many, many people have been sent into other cities that are ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I really believe that will continue to happen. I believe that will continue to happen. But for that to continue to happen, there will be people that will have to be willing to answer the call of God. The call of God. Job chapter 39, starting at verse 27. Verse 28, I'm going to read from the Message Bible, so we'll read from Deuteronomy from the King James. It says, Did you command the eagle's flight and teach her to build her nest in the heights, perfectly at home, on the high cliff face, and invulnerable on the pinnacle in the crag of the rock? Deuteronomy 32, 11 and 12. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, and beareth them on her wings. So the Lord did, alone did lead them, and there was no strange God with them. I view this church, our churches, as, as they are nest. Amen. Things get birthed in those nests. There are learning processes in those nests. A couple years ago, uh, we were introduced to this thing called Facebook Live on social media. We had been in a very tough transition for me as a pastor between the Crooksville Church and the New Lex Church. And there came a stirring in our nest. There came a moment of faith in our, in our church's uh, walk with the Lord, let's say. But we trusted the Lord in that process and great things have happened because of that. And tonight, I just want to minister to you for a little bit 
about spiritual lessons from the eagle's nest. Spiritual lessons from the eagle's nest. Would you just pray with me? I know we've worked today. Just ask the Lord to touch our hearts in this place in the next little bit. Lord, we love you. We're thankful for your goodness. And Lord, we're thankful for the presence of the Lord that we feel in this house. God, I feel a hunger, Lord, in this place tonight. God, I pray that the Holy Ghost would quicken us and minister to our hearts, God, and minister to our souls tonight, Lord Jesus. We're thankful we give you glory, God, for the things that you're doing, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Let the church say amen. Amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. The eagle. I, uh, when I first saw this and I saw the eagle looking over her nest, she was looking down at, uh, first of all, what I noticed how massive this nest was and how the eagle was looking over her eggs. She was looking over what was about ready to hatch. And the construction of the nest, the nest of the eagle was built high up on the mountain ranges of Israel not just there, but all around the world. And they will at times decide on a location that can read altitudes of 10,000 feet in the air. The, the nesting eagles will build a nest that can reach a weight up to two tons and stretch as much to eight feet across. So the wearisome task of the mother eagle to carry these limbs up to four inches in diameter are brought to the nesting area. The nest can be as deep as two feet. The core of the nest is supported by the huge limbs and the outer edges of the nest are then lined with soft leaves and vines that are actually woven together by the eagles before she lays her eggs. The leaves cover the rough sticks that would puncture the soft fur of the eaglets in addition to the soft bed of leaves. Shortly before the eggs hatch, the mother eagle begins to pull the soft, downy fur from her own body to shelter and warm her young. And as the small birds are attempting to free themselves from the shell, from the trappings of the eggshells, the mother will never assist them in this struggle, for to do so would hamper the eaglet's survival. We'll learn more about this in a few moments. And then after about six to seven months, there comes a stirring of the nest. The mother eagle comes in and she swoops in one day and she begins to basically stir the nest and the brooding area. She will pull out the soft leaves and toss the rabbit fur to the winds and she'll remove the long vines that once provided comfort to them. Can I tell you today, tonight, right here, that God is more concerned about our spiritual maturity than He is our comfort? It becomes a task now for the eaglets to stand in a new environment as they are growing. Once in a comfortable environment, they, they got their feet under them and they've been fed and they're growing, but now the mother eaglet lets them know there's more to life than just being comfortable here. So now it becomes a task for the eaglets to come out of a place of comfort and now balance themselves in a nest that has been stirred by the mother. But the alternative is not an option, for to lie down in this new place would cause lacerations to arise from the limbs of the nest. It becomes thorny, it becomes thistly. It, it was designed that way. It's, it's letting that baby eaglet to know that, that your time of comfort is really over. Now it's time for you to learn how to balance in a new environment. He must learn to balance himself and become acclimated with the use of now what he has for his use, and that's his stubby talons. So he can learn how to balance himself amongst these thorns and 
The balance will help him later when he learns how to flight and the talons will assist him in the catching of prey for the hunting at a later time. God does similar things to us. I begin to study eagles and look at eagles in Scripture. There's so much about the eagles in Scripture. God created everything in nature. We can learn from the nature of these eagles. God will do similar things to us. He'll come and he will disturb our nest at times and he'll, he'll try to cause us to reach towards him. That's what our theme is this year is to reach towards him. Thank God for the stirrings that he will send our way from time to time in our walk with God. Thank the Lord that he does that. He, he must learn to balance himself. Every apostle, every person that wanted to be used of God would have their nest stirred. Every great reformal and revivalist had their nest stirred. Every man who has ever longed to accomplish the purpose of the kingdom of God will have his nest stirred. He had to learn that I had to migrate to a new calling. I've got to come out from the place of where I am and go to a higher place that God has for me. God doesn't want his church to just survive. He wants his church to learn how to thrive. Come on, he's brought us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Hallelujah. It's all throughout scripture. He had to leave the familiar to the unfamiliar. Come on, Abraham could tell us a story. He had to leave what was familiar to him. He had to come out from his country and from his kindred and go to a land that God had for him. He had to leave the profane and move towards the sacred things that God had for him. He had to leave the shallows and reach for the depths. No man can ever move without breaking some present relationships or thought process. Too often the sad part is that most men fail to realize the hand of God as the one who is stirring the familiar surroundings to stimulate their own growth. God is in control. He is in control. And we are in control of every decision that we make. Let's, let's, not be, let's be careful not to blame the devil on everything. Because he has to have permission to mess with your life. Amen. God built a nest in Genesis 47 for 70 souls of Israel. Their herds increased. They had prosperous times. They had favor with the, with the monarch. But then Joseph died and his services were forgotten. The favored became despised and they were hemmed in by forts and they were set to hard labor. Their nest became so uncomfortable that there was something that wanted to soar from them to the promised land. Is there anything better for me in this life? One may ask, how does God create the stirring of the nest. I represent to you tonight one way is God would place you under the directive of a tormentor. He allows us to language under the effects of a heavy burden. He allows the emotions to be assaulted with overwhelming feelings of displacement. He monitors, he monitors our progress in response to the call of substitute idols. He causes us to catch a glimpse of some distant place of revival 
and renewal. He grooms us with restlessness that cannot be quenched with nothing but God. How many knows in this place tonight that there, there is a place inside of every one of us that only God can fill? That only God can complete. The, the people try to fill it up with everything that this world has to offer. But God created each and every human being that is born with a place, amen, that only God can fill, that only God can bring to peace to. So the nest will be stirred. And when the nest is stirred and all of a sudden our attention is, is awakened, carnality will be displaced with pure spiritual hunger. Self-righteousness begins to wane and dies out to a godly desire. Complacency falls a sudden death and gives way to a fiery passion. Compassion begins to rage within the soul. The compassion leads towards a giving of ourselves, which is what this is all about. Though that stirring often Amen. Through that stirring, brokenness will often take place in your life. The truth of how God's greatest saints must be broken into pieces to, is expressed all throughout the scripture. Everything of self must go to pieces and everything that is, that is of Christ must shine forth in the greatest power. God stirs us towards character and he will temper our life with the experiences of life that it has for us. Then after the nest is stirred, there comes the struggle of flight. You see, we never arrive to a place and get to a place in our walk with God where we have arrived. We're always growing. We're always learning in our walks with God. No matter we've been in church for five months or five years or 50 years, we're always learning and growing there comes a day in the life of the eaglet that the mother returns again to the nest and she begins to flutter her wing. It's learned how to balance over the, the sticky thorns and stuff and it's learned how to function there. But then the, the mother comes again to let them know, I don't want you to be comfortable here. You've gotten used to this. Now it's, it's time to spread your wings and get out of this nest and fly a little bit. The mother almost seems angry and when you watch it, and I watch nature videos of this, she, it almost seems as if she's being mean towards her young, but, but she knows if I don't push them, if I, if I let them live here like this and be comfortable in this state, they're going to die. The small eaglets begin to scream in terror as she pushes them closer and closer to the edge of the nest. Oh, church tonight, can I just, when do we get nervous like that? When pastor comes and asks us to lead a small group. When pastor comes and says, I, I see you have a call of God on your life. Would you be interested in being a Sunday school teacher? Amen. But see, the spirit's always willing, but the flesh is always weak. And, and it's your flesh. The flesh is the only thing that can say no to God. Well, praise the Lord. The lesson of flight comes without warning. You feel a tug in your heart. You feel like there's something more for you. And all of a sudden, boom, it happens. Suddenly, the mother eagle appears at the nest and she starts the training of flight. 
Spiritual growth and maturity occurs in the same way. Without warning, we find our lives in situations. They're wrapped up in, in a situation. Perhaps when everything is at stake, our home's at stake. I, we lost our job and our family and our health. We, we feel like we're falling. We feel like we've been pushed over the edge. And we're falling, we're falling, we're falling. We feel like it's going to be the end. But can I tell you, there's a value in adversity. Amen. There comes a day when that young eaglet is going to learn how to face some things for itself. When adversity comes, question races through the mind, God, why? The reply comes back from God, you cannot learn to fly in a church pew nor on the back of a pastor. The next question comes, why so long to fall? And the reply would just simply be, you need all the time so you can learn how to fly. You see, if you take away the struggle to the things in life, you take away your strength. Victory comes through winning battles. Victory comes through persevering. Victory comes through believing and saying that as our pastor says all the time, if God brings me to it, there we go. Amen. See, if you remove the thorn, you remove the grace. God's grace is a teacher. In our weaknesses, his strength is made perfect. How many know that? Amen. So, God's greatest men, and every, this is for everybody in this room, but I feel like there's a few people in this house tonight that, that feel a call of God on your life. And you need to go talk to the bishop. You need to go talk with your pastor and tell him because he probably knows. God's greatest men had to struggle with the frailties of their own flesh. Abraham had to struggle with deception. Jacob would war against worldliness. Moses would be terrorized by a horrible temper that would lead him to murder and a striking a rock. Elijah was faulted by faithless despair. David would be involved in, in, in lust and murder. Solomon would battle luxury and sensuality. The reality is few people will pray for a lion's den. Few people will pray for a fiery furnace. Few people will uh, uh, ask for a Judas kiss. Few people will ask for a cross to bear. Few people will ask to be misunderstood in society. Few people, amen, are pray to be hurt to the core of their soul. Few people pray to have to endure in, uh, irritation of slander, to have to overcome an onslaught of continual temptation. Few pray for the spirit of submission to come to them. We don't pray for those things because those things hurt. But in the hurt, there's a healing that will occur and create within you a vision for greater things. It'll create a new desire and a passion that God or that God or Larry would never exist. Can I tell you now that a verse comes to my mind in Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Jesus said, come unto me, all that you labor and are weary. And heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Watch what he says. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke, watch this, is easy. My burden is light. Let's explain what that means. A yoke is something in the natural that would be put on the oxen's neck. It is a symbol of service. 
In other words, the yoke, the ox would say, okay, put it on me. I'm going to do what you want me to do. I'm going to follow the leading of my master. And what happens when the yoke gets put on the ox and after a while it rubs a wound in the flesh. But in that wound comes an oil that will bring healing to that oxen so it can continue to do the service of his master. Can I tell you in our hurts there will come an anointing. There will come a healing that will, be, that will provide a service to others. How many believe that? We pray that God gives us relief and that the ways of escape comes to the trials and difficulties of life, that the life we live will not be filled with hardship and difficulty, but, but the contents of the heart and the satisfaction of the soul will never, never be accomplished unless there is some intense struggle that makes, makes a man stretch beyond himself, stretch beyond his capacity, to stretch his wings of the soul to a higher elevation and a hunger for God. God can take a struggle, God can take a situation, and he can work with it in such a manner that no one else even consider. You see, God works under a different set of laws than what men work with. When men, when men such rise from their struggle, we often find a stronger impression, a brighter portrait of Christ rather that than of man. Amen. The brilliance of the light surpasses the, the wonders of the lamp. Psalms 103 and 105 says, Bless the Lord. Lord, oh my soul and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, and who healeth all thy diseases, and who redeemeth thy life from the destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Watch this, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Hallelujah. It finally occurs the day in the eagle's life that it finally will find the screaming will become to a silence and now he'll rise on the wings of the morning and the scales of the heights in the cloud. And then comes the upward call. Hallelujah. What is the, upper, the upward call? How many feel a call of God on your life? Everybody's hand should be raised in this house. There's a call of God on this church. Hallelujah. Come on, I want you to lift your hands before we go any further. I want you to pray that the Lord would speak to you over the next few moments. The Lord would have a word for us tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for what we feel in this house right now, God. Some people will never understand the power of the upward call and their lives, unfortunately, can be marked with a lack of purpose. Years can bring age to your life, but little maturity. And see, the lack of resistance, of pressing forth, pressing toward the mark of the high calling of Jesus Christ, the lack of resisting will create lazy muscles. When you got something coming against you, you know, I'm not much of a weightlifter, you can tell that, but, but when you are sitting down on that bench and you pick that thing up, and it might weigh more than you do, but you allow it to come down on you, and the only way it's going to come up is if you resist. You just push it back up. 
You allow it to come down again and you push it back up and through the process, what's going on? You are physically, you are building stronger muscles. Spiritually, if we're not alive and praying and being consistent, our mind will become weak because nothing ever stretches it. We could say they become derelicts to society. When we think of that word derelict, we often think of the misfits of society, the the drug users, the alcoholics. We think of a man who has ruined his life and his home. And, uh, but, but this word was not originally suited to this meaning. And I'm going to tell you, you've you got to answer the call of God in your life. The call of God will never, never turn away from you. God's hand is not going to come off of you, sir. It's not going to come off of you, man. And when you look at this word, it's an old Latin word that gives a connotation to abandonment. Completely different word to abandon. To abandon the call, to, to utterly forsake, and it has a special reference to a ship that had, for whatever reason, perhaps by the loss of a, in the harbor, had slipped out into a channel and found open seas. It was abandoned and floated recklessly about and soon found the path of a merchant ship. And in the violent wreck, both ships would be lost. A derelict, a derelict ship was that, that, that had an innate danger of destroying itself, and not just itself, but any other ship that came near it. See, there's some who never respond to the upward call of God because, because of, of this. They become uh, really abandoned in spirit and attitude, and they can bring wreckage to their lives and those around them. What are you saying, Pastor Tony? He was in the church. He was at church, but he wasn't in the church. Lot wanted a, a pastor more than the things of God. Gehazi wanted the seemingly security of material things and the prestige of this world. Ananias and Sapphira wanted to carve out a niche of notoriety in the early church by wicked means. Their motives weren't right. Amnon had a, hey, he was a man who hungered for illicit things while he sat at the king's table and starved his soul. But there are men, and I believe we're in a church like this tonight. Oh, praise the Lord. We look to things that are eternal, not temporal. The spirits soar beyond the, 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 the base desires of what's going on around them and the carnality around them, the hunger for the things of God. One of the things I pray is, God, empty me, God, of my selfishness. Empty me, God, of any selfishness I have, God. And when that happens, the pursuits start to go upward, Godward, and the spirit of the eagle stirs within them. It keeps them, them restless and out of touch with this world. These are great men. These, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. You see, you, here's a word for somebody. You can't get confused by well, who's getting blessed and who's not getting blessed. We're in a blessed church tonight. And God's blessing wants to come on his people. But I want you to watch this tonight. God, see, sometimes man will mess up, mess up like Abraham did. God gave him a promise, and the promise was a child. And the promise had not came to pass yet. So Abraham decided that I want to, we got to help God out because it's an impossibility for us. So they have this handmaiden by the name of Hagar, who Abraham has a child with, who is by the name of Ishmael. God was not happy with this. And listen, God cannot go back on his word. God said, Abraham, I am going to bless your seed. 
So watch what he says when God comes and starts to do a new thing in Abraham's life because God was going to have his way in Abraham's life. He changes his name from Abram to Abraham. And watch what God says. He says, Abraham, my blessings are going to be upon Ishmael. You read it in Genesis 17. But he said, my covenant is going to be with Isaac. There's a difference between blessing and covenant. Well, God seems to be blessing that church and this church and that church. And I'm going to tell you something. God meets people where faith is. But he said, my covenant's going to be with Isaac. Thank God for the cross of Jesus Christ. Thank God for the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's our covenant. Amen. When we repent of our sins and are baptized in Jesus' name and are filled with the Holy Ghost, I'm thankful for the blessings that come with that. But more important than those blessings, I want to know that I'm in covenant with God. I want to know that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. If you've got no other reason to rejoice, rejoice because you've known you're in covenant with God. Oh, praise the Lord. Amen. Isaiah 40 and 31 says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up their wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. No other bird has the ability to fly to the heights that the eagle does. He is not a bird that will necessarily fly with the flock. You see, there are moments, there are times when we assemble ourselves together as the body of Christ, the building up and exhorting one another, the more we see a day approaching. But there's going to be a moment in your walk with God where pastor doesn't have a word for you, where your brother or sister doesn't have a word for you. And you've got to look to Jesus, who the author and finisher of your faith is. You've got to rise to that upward call and know that your Redeemer lives. Other birds may call him, but there's something about the focus of the eagle that refused to be swept into the path of the other birds. He, he, he must pursue instinctively that which is in his heart. He, he remains alone, and, and there becomes a majestic power about being alone with God. We find that greatest lesson when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane all alone. And it's in the hours of loneliness that God does some of his greatest works. If you're in a season of loneliness tonight and you feel like nobody's all around, God's got you in a place and there's a call to prayer in your life. It was in the lonely dejection of Elijah that he heard God's voice. It was in the weary, lonely path of faith that God came again to Abraham. It was in the lonely hours following failure that Peter found God. It was in the lonely midnight hours that Jacob had his wrestling match with God. It was in the loneliness of the mountain that Moses would get the law from God. It was in the loneliness of her barrenness that Hannah prevailed in the spirit. It was in the loneliness of her burden that forced Esther to approach the king. It was in loneliness that Daniel received his great vision from God. It was in the loneliness of the pit that Jeremiah found a renewed burden for his people. It was in the loneliness of the pit in prison that Joseph felt God continuing to forecast his dreams. It was in the loneliness of the prayer of Gethsemane that the Lord labored just to cast stone away from the other disciples but it well have been a million miles away that separated them. Loneliness marked Mary at Bethlehem stable. Loneliness marked her again as she stood at Golgotha's hills. God will use schoolhouses of loneliness to teach his servants so then comes the grappling with the storm 
Most animals are equipped by nature to sense that there's a storm coming. Usually it's a smell, some by sight and some scurry for shelter. The rabbit finds its burrow, the bee to its hive, the deer will seek the comfort of a place of rest. But the eagle, because of its great ability of sight, he can see the storm approaching from a great distance. Because the eagle is a territorial bird, he will remain in his habitat until the first few drops of rain that come. He will then launch into this upward call, this upward flight. It's not a horizontal thing. It's an upward thing. And he goes upward, upward, upward until he has broken the back of the storm and found his way to the sunlight that's above the storm. There's a sun above your storm. Notice what happens to those who aren't eagles. When the storm starts to approach, there's a tendency to run and hide. David said, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For the eagle, the storm can represent hardship or even a battle for survival in a difficult time, but he has no fear. The winds are hard and fast and often destructive, but the eagle, watch this, is challenged by the storm. When our trials come and our situations come, we gain authority through those, don't we? We learn after a while through maturity, after coming to church and listening to good teaching and enduring some things. Now we know that when something's not adding up, God's up to something. And I, and I know in those times I just got to be consistent and do what I know to do because I've been there before. And more importantly, it's for you. And for your development and your maturity. But what we too many fail to realize is when we first come to church, we think life's all about us. But in reality, there are people watching you. Paul said it like this. I count myself not to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth. Reaching forth to those things which are before. I press toward Come on, that's the hunger. I press toward, I press toward the high mark of the high calling for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Every day you get up, it's an opportunity for God to do something miraculous in your life and in your world. Oh, praise the Lord. We love singing the songs, but and I love the beautiful church we have in here tonight. I love the lights and the cool. Man, that's an awesome thing. I didn't even see that back there. It goes along with the lesson good. But I present to you, what would happen tonight if we didn't have the screen and if we didn't have the lights and we didn't have the pews? Would God's word still be enough for you? Would God's word still be enough for you to come and say, I might not have a comfortable pew to sit in, but I believe God has a word for me. I know there's some adversity. Amen. But I believe God's word is what's going to cause me to survive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Courses. Brother Bobby Wade, when he spoke this other time, he says, time for weeping's over. Amen. Thought came to our church. He preached a prophetic word to our church Sunday in Crooksville. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, it's time for you to stop surviving and start thriving. Oh, praise the Lord. 
We're not surviving, church. We are thriving. And when there is adversity amongst us, there is a growth. There is multiplication that's going to come. Because in your adversity, amen, is going to come addition, amen, through people that are connected to you. See, your hallelujah songs and your courses aren't, aren't, they aren't birthed on a vacation. They're, they're birthed in prison cells. And Acts 16 asked Paul and Silas about it. Because every, you know, in their, their situation and their circumstance, we all know it. It's preached across the apostolic churches all across America. But when they begin, you see, there's just so much weight we can pull ourselves. It's like a pulley. When you pull on a pulley, it takes, if 100 pounds is going to be lifted up in the air, it takes 100 pounds to pull against it. But for some, but for you to go over the top of some of the things you're dealing with, I believe in, in that prison there were people just suspended in their situation. They didn't feel like they could pull any more weight. But all of a sudden... When Paul and Silas begin to sing a song, amen, and there begin to be a pulley here and a pulley there, something began to happen supernatural in the atmosphere that caused the chains, amen, from all the other prisoners to be released. Amen. See, it's all a matter of perception. You got to stand up in this tough old world we live in and put on the whole armor of God. Because Paul said it like this, it's hard to wrap our minds around it. Our spiritual life will take its course of struggles till Jesus comes. Praise God. Paul said, for our light affliction. Whew. That's what winning battles will do for you. Paul will look at it and say, been here before. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment. You've got to be careful not to make a lifestyle out of a season in your life. But for a moment, worketh, watch this, worketh for us, not for me, worketh for us. Far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. Do you think eternity's weighing in the balance when you're going through the trials in your life for others? I always tell our church, you're somebody's example or you're somebody's excuse. Well, that's quiet. Paul said, while we look at things which are not seen, which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Praise God. I'm going to close with this tonight. and I want, I want to propose this to you tonight. And just allow me a little thinking in the story in Luke 19 1 through 10 I would like the music to come if they would in Luke 19 all of us have a testimony we do everybody in this building has a testimony some have multiple testimonies in Luke 19 1 it says Jesus entered and passed through Jericho and behold there was a man named Zacchaeus who was chief among publicans and was rich and he sought to see Jesus who he was. Isn't that interesting? And he could not before the press because he was a little stature and he ran before and climbed to a sycamore tree to see him for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for this day I must abide at thy house. Have you ever wondered in this story 
how a well-dressed, successful, self-made, wealthy, prominent tax collector throw shame and ridicule to the wind and to climb a tree just to see Jesus. I mean, he was doing okay. I believe if Zacchaeus had a diary, and if we could read it tonight, I think it'd read something like this. There was a day when Zacchaeus went to a a little shack that needed paint and repairs and all that mattered to him was unpaid on the bill. He was a tax collector. Zacchaeus had been a taker his whole life. Every day he got up and he was taken, he was taken, and he was taken. He was Listen, church isn't about serve me. On the other side of the door was a frail blind man. Zacchaeus, uh, I don't have the money to pay you this month. Can you? I'm blind. I have no family. I have no pension. I, there's no help for me. Will you just give me another 30 days, Zacchaeus, to come up with your money? Zacchaeus was caught between money and mercy. Maybe Zacchaeus said, that's, that's usually not my style, but I'll give you 30 days. But if you don't have the money by then, you're going to be blind and homeless. Zacchaeus goes on his way to the second house. A woman opens the door. She's yellow and there's no blood in her veins. Her, her hair is matted and maybe her face is wet with tears. Her speech is slurred from some disease condition that she has. She tells Zacchaeus, for 12 years I've had this blood issue and my insurance was canceled. My husband divorced me and my inheritance was spent on one doctor after another. Zacchaeus, can you give me 30 days to try to come up with the money? Zacchaeus is caught between greed and grace. For some reason, I'm feeling benevolent today. When I get back, you better have my taxes. I'm coming back. Zacchaeus goes to the next door on the third day. A woman stands hopelessly in front of the next house, staring off into space, and she doesn't even hear what she's saying. And all of a sudden, there's a blood-curling scream that comes from the hillside where a naked man looks more like a wild animal running among the tombs in a graveyard cutting himself until he's blood spattered everywhere. You know who that is, Zacchaeus? That used to be my husband. He's a good man and I'm praying one day he'll come back home and come in his right mind. I, I ought to move on with my life, but I love him. He's a father of my children. I don't know if it's ever going to happen. Nobody's, no man can tame him or bind him. He's just out there being reckless doing his own thing. He's so possessed that he calls himself legion. Zacchaeus probably was just taken aback by that and not crazy about the whole demon thing. And Zacchaeus begins to backpedal. Ah, I'll check back in 30 days and see where we're at. The fourth stop, there's a wreath hanging on the door of the house suggesting that someone had died. I know who you are and why you've come, but my son died yesterday and I'm on my way to the funeral. I had to use my tax money to bury my only son. Zacchaeus just, man, I've already given all your neighbors 30 days. and I'll be back in a month. 30 days later, Zacchaeus prepares to return to the homes. Those houses that represented the most non-productive day in his career as a tax collector. Today he got up and resolved today they're either going to pay or going to be thrown in prison. First stop, 
he goes up to that house and he noticed a change. All of a sudden there's a little bit of paint on the shack and the grass has been mowed and a man with piercing eyes open to his knock and and I'm sorry, I was, I'm looking for somebody else that I thought used to live here. No, I'm the man at the house. I'm the man you come and saw. I was here last month. I'm the, I was blind. I was blind. Don't you? But now I see. I met a man named Jesus. Oh, it's different than what it was 30 days ago. Things are getting better for me. Here's your money, by the way. Thanks for giving me that time. Thanks for giving me that grace. You think that didn't put a seed in his mind? Zacchaeus goes to the second house. Beautiful woman answers the door, radiant with joy. I'm looking at the woman of the house. I am the woman of the house. Zacchaeus, when I told you to come back in 30 days, that was nothing but a ploy. I thought I was going to be dead. I thought it was over. I just wanted to get you off my back. In fact, I was praying to die, but a friend told me that Jesus was coming to town. I elbowed my way through the crowd, and I didn't think I could get to him, but I stretched out my arms, and oh, I didn't. Nobody told me what to do, but I thought if I could just touch the hem of his garment, Zacchaeus, I might be able to be whole. And you're not going to believe this, Zacchaeus, but I'm not yellow anymore. I got a hold of Jesus, and it changed my life forever, Zacchaeus. I haven't had to pay those doctor bills anymore. I had to go to a doctor. Here's your money, Zacchaeus. Thanks for giving me the time. The third stop. He looked for the woman to be standing out in the yard. Not sure he wanted to go to that house facing Legion. But she was not there. He looked nervously over his shoulder at the hillside, but there was no blood curling screams today. The woman answered the door accompanied by a nice looking man Zacchaeus thought I, man I'm glad she kicked that cat out and got a new man she, could, she should have kicked that grave dweller out a long time ago hey Zacchaeus I want you to meet my husband you haven't met this man because when you were here a month ago his home was in a graveyard but, but look at him now Zacchaeus he's clothed and he's in his right mind Zacchaeus I told you nobody could tame him, but I, I don't know what happened, but something happened when we met Jesus. And by the way, my husband's in his right mind. He was able to go back to work, and I'm able to pay my taxes. Thanks for giving us time, Zacchaeus. Let's all stand. Zacchaeus was probably having a pretty good day, and I wondered if it was going to be four for four. And he probably thought sarcastically, I wonder what surprise they have for me here. Cute little 12-year-old open up the door, and man, I don't know. I must be at the wrong house. I'm looking. I'm looking for. I'm The place I'm at, I'm not looking for no little boy anymore. Are you, are you Zacchaeus? My... My mother's been looking for you. She said, you're never late collecting taxes. I'm the little boy that died. 
30 days ago, my mother's worst fear came true. My mother had to save money to pay you, but she had to use that, but she had to use that money on my funeral. And as the mortars led the procession, the procession out of Nain, another procession was coming in. The procession of death collided with the procession of deity, who we know is Jesus Christ. You know death, amen. And deity cannot occupy in the same place where Jesus shows up. He never ever preached a funeral. Amen. He never put anybody, whenever Jesus was around, things begin to come alive again. Amen. I think Zacchaeus went home that day shaking his head. Hey, Zacchaeus, did you hear Jesus was coming to town? You better believe I did. Because something was stirred up in his life that day, so much so that nothing was going to stop him from getting to Jesus. And the point is this tonight in the message. That tree was planted for a reason a long time ago, even though it maybe it did not realize its purpose. But God knew. It was God planted. Do you ever think that you were God planted in somebody's life? That, that your story, stirring of your nest may very well have not been about you at all, but maybe for the benefit of somebody else. Praise the Lord. You see, this is what I believe, and this is what our pastor believes. He believes so much in us, and the power of the Holy Ghost that moves in us. So many times it seems like a lot of confusion. I brought a box of puzzle pieces up here. Pastor comes up and tells you, you know, if I were to come back and if I come back here, sis, and say, man, isn't that awesome? Look at that. That's, that's, what do you see? It's, 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 to you, it's a bunch of chaos. All you represent one of these puzzle pieces in this church. And if we'll allow the Lord to put us in our place, it's going to become a beautiful picture. But you are part of it. You are part of the kingdom of God. I've just got to be willing, even in the midst of the chaos in my life and what seems like chaos, I'm trusting that God knows what's going on. And I want to be part of what God, God's doing. The Bible says that you'll be like a tree planted by the waters. Maybe not like a tree that's outside, but a tree that's rooted tree that's been through some things you know why and you're a tree that somebody can climb up to to get a better view of Jesus some people need you so they can see him they need to hear your testimony they need to see hear your story so that they can have a testimony and hope through what the Lord has brought you through that's how this works that's why we're reaching him we're reaching Jesus we know he's in control we know when he's all things and impossible situations are only opportunities for God that you'll know at the end that only it was God that did this. And it's in the life that's played out every day. Can I tell somebody that's trying too hard in this place, your good is good enough. Mary chose the good part. And that was him. Could we lift our hands all over this building? I wonder if, if we could just begin to make our way to the front of this altar tonight. Let's grab one of these puzzle pieces. I remember 
It looks like things are chaotic in my life. There's been a stirring in my nest, but I promise you God's doing something in your life. He's taking you to an upper call in your life. Answer that upper call tonight. Come on, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That word wait there means to serve the Lord. They that serve the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall renew their strength. Come on, the Holy Ghost is the rest that causes the weary to rest. In the name of Jesus, come on, there's Zacchaeus is all over this city. There's Zacchaeus is all over this city that wonder. They feel a little short in stature. They don't feel like they're good enough to see God, but they need to hear your story. They need to hear your testimony of the goodness of God. Here.